KMTT, Kimitzion Teitzei Torah. You're listening to the Erev Shabbat program, Erev Shabbat Kodesh, Parashat Lechacha, Yudbet Cheshvan. The Erev Shabbat program is Lilui Nishmat Shlomo Yosef Ben Chaim Shmuel. And I am your host, Jonathan Snowbell. I just want to quickly relate to our call to people to respond to KMTT, find out what they want in the Erev Shabbat program. In general terms, first of all, thank you very much to all those who responded. It was very uh, heartfelt to read the responses. It's hard to reach any conclusions from the responses, except for the fact that people are enjoying the show, and she or whatever you want to call it. And there are different... There were many comments on keeping the format as it is, people like, and this was the intention of the Shia originally, the lack of the formal the formal structure of a Shia, but rather going into a place of ideas, where it's a little bit less text-oriented, a little bit less Shia-like. On the other hand, there were suggestions of uh, what we could do, since I was asking for something else, but, and just as maybe one more uh, comment, part of my concern is that I don't get repetitive. I'm a finite person with a finite number of ideas, and yeah, you can always go back at the Parsha, but a person looks at things in a certain way, and certain things stand out to him, and hopefully new things come up. But my fear was that things wouldn't come up, and I've, I've exhausted it. So hopefully I haven't. Hopefully... New things come up. Hopefully, adding Rebbe to the program is also a positive uh, development. I don't know how that helps my in- end of the program to be better, more interesting, equally interesting as in the past. But you know how to contact us in any case. And as I said, there were different suggestions for possible changes, but certainly there, there was no consensus or anything like that and nothing that struck me as a brilliant particularly brilliant idea that this will solve the problem so we're going with more of the same because people seem to be happy with it or Bick at some point said to me you know this this uh, poll that you're doing is certainly not you know certainly not encompassing all the listeners. And then I, at that point, about five people had answered, and I said, well, how do you know that? Do we have any information on how many people listen to this? Is there a... He didn't answer me, which I assume means, uh, no, we don't. And uh, I said, maybe only five people are listening. At that point, I sent him five responses. And, of course, more responses came in. So maybe, I don't know, 11, 12 people are for sure listening because those are the people who answered. And But maybe there's 100. I don't know. In any case... I sent out a request. This is what came back. These are the changes that we've made, i.e. adding Rav Bick. I think uh, after asking a question, you should respond when you get responses. So that's my report on on the poll that we've done. Bezrat Hashem, we should continue to do good things. And if we haven't done good things until now, we should start doing good things from now.
Lech Lecha is the parsha in which Avram Avinu, although he's mentioned at the end of Parsha Noach, he essentially lands in the world. He's landing in the world in a in a in a dramatic way, where he's going around to different places. Vayikrav Hashem Hashem, something that we see in different places in the parsha. He's building Mizbech Hashem in different places. He's calling out the name of God. He's building altars, Mizbechot in the name of God, up and down Eretz Yisrael. And certainly not the developer of this idea, but Avram Avinu is meant as a, in the same way that Adam and Noach are the beginning of a new world, Adam because the world is new and there's no world before him, and Noach because the world has essentially been destroyed and starting from anew, and there's a room for a new beginning. So Avram Avinu is also viewed in that light, that there's a new beginning. But different than his his predecessors, Noach and, and Adam, who were the beginning of mankind, for all intents and purposes, and they were developing a world from scratch. Avram Avinu has a different mission. And his mission is to work with an existing world. Avram Avinu does not have the monopoly on mankind like Adam and Noach did, with the ability to set some sort of tone for the entire mankind from top to bottom or bottom to, uh, to up, depending on which direction you're looking at. I'm not exactly sure which term to use here. But by influencing all of mankind together. And Avram Avinu is working in a different world. And, and it's within that light that I actually want to look back a Parsha to Parshat Noach, to the story of Migdal Bavel. Migdal Bavel, when you read the story, and there's many interpretations, it's an enigma. It's very unclear what's going on there. And the only thing that I could say is clear that's going on here is that there's a problem, and God introduces a solution to this problem. In other words, the situation is not a good situation as far as God is concerned, and and therefore God introduces a problem, and the problem seems to involve, the solution seems to involve two elements. One is that the people of the world are spread out, and the people of the world develop different languages. Now, from here, into going back up as to describing what is the problem in the story, what is going on in the story, is a separate question. And here, of course, we have the whole gamut of opinions whether in Chazal or the Parshanim, which I'm not going into. And, and what is common and, 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 regu- and, and regular to see there is to see that we're talking about a sin. And that is Chazal, Chazal's tendency to see everything that needs to be solved in terms of sins. And we have all the, you know, the, the wide gamut of sins here, um, whether it's there, some sort of form of Avodah Zarah or some sort of rebellion against God, and then there's different opinions that the Migdal and Bavel is meant the world was the, the the humans of the world are trying to build a pillar to make sure that the skies do not collapse anymore like it did in the time of Noah. 
But again, by focusing on the solution, I want to at least suggest a possible problem and how it will ultimately connect to Avraham Avinu. It's not clear that there is a sin here. Okay, when the Torah wants to describe a sin, it's very good at describing a sin, as we see from par- the end of Parshat Bereshit and the beginning of Parshat Noach. There's a description of evil, a description of bringing, destroying the moral fiber of the moral fiber fiber of the world. There's no lacking in describing the evil of mankind when it comes to the flood. God saw that the evil of man was plentiful in the world. And his inclination is only bad. And that's missing in Migdal Bavel. In Migdal Bavel there's no real description of a sin. There's a description of making materials for building and a description of making a city with a tower, with a, with a tower in the sky. And, penna futz al And the fear that we will be spread out across the face of the earth. And God's response is, Hen amechad v'safachat l'chulam hachilam la'asot. And this they begin to do. Not sure what Zehachilama said, but I have a feeling here that here there's something in the in in the, in the Dora Palaga Dora Palaga, as it's called, the generation of the separation, the generation that built Migdal Bavel. There's some attempt to break down what might have been at the core of the problem in the previous generation, the previous destruction of the world, i.e. the flood. And that is the unity of mankind. The unity of mankind, and Chazal describes this also, can be viewed as a beautiful thing. All of mankind are doing something together. And in fact, Chazal say that the reason why this generation was not destroyed is the generation of the flood was destroyed was because there was unity. That was a good thing unto itself, that they were unified. So they maybe had bad ideas and bad plans, but they were unified. As opposed to the Dora Mabul, that they were stealing from each other, so they certainly weren't unified. However, I want to suggest, in fact, the, the opposite is true, that the unity here is the source of the problem, not the good aspect. A world which is unified and is one, which is a distinct possibility in a world that's created from one person downwards. A world like that has potential to be all good, because everybody's doing the same thing. On the other hand, there's the potential to be all bad. And when a world is unified and monolithic, then you can come to the conclusion of Kishrit Kol Basar Darkol Aretz. Everybody has been destructive in their ways because everybody is living to the same according to the same code. This is one unified people. And if the standard of the community is that everybody takes care of the poor people and everybody is good to each other and taking care of the, the orphans 
and the widows and the strangers. Of course, there's no strangers in a unified world. In that type of world, then everything is great. But in a world where the standard of this one unified world is stealing, pillaging, adultery, then that's going to be the whole world. And then Noah can stand there for 120 years building an ark and telling people how bad this is. Who's going to listen to him? There's a standard of the world, and the standard of the world is bad, and everybody's doing it. In that sense, I think the story of Migdal Bavel can be viewed as an introduction to Avraham Avinu, and that is that the first part of the problem, before there's a problem, there is a problem in the background, which is that the world is unified. And this, before the world has discovered its new identity in the post-Noach, the post-flood years, before it's discovered its identity, is that going to be a good unity or a bad unity? It's discovered that unity itself is, is a problem. Because it has potential for bringing the whole world to evil. In a world where not everybody is the same, not everybody is monolithic, then, in that world, we could have bad places. We could have storm. And if storm is bad... Stom will be destroyed. But it doesn't mean, because Stom is bad, that Hebron is bad. Once we separate out the people of the world, and they are different, they're no longer monolithic, but there's different players with completely different languages, with completely different geographic locales, which with completely different worldviews, then evil can be neutralized in different ways. There's no reason to assume that because evil is in one place, it should spread to the entire mankind, and it should spread to the whole world, and it should have caused God to destroy the whole world. And that, perhaps, is the place of Migdal Bavel and the story of Migdal Bavel, is to have a new infrastructure to the world. Have the world separated. In this sense, there's no room for the entire the destruction of the entire mankind because there is no one unified mankind to speak of. But this is also an opening for Abraham Avinu, because how is one man to face the entire world and change the world and make the world a better place? One more man who eventually even becomes one nation. Well, in a world where the world is unified in one, so one man cannot face the world. And we saw that failed experiment. According to Chazal, as we mentioned earlier, Noah built the ark for 120 years and told everybody who went by what's going on, that the world is bad and the world is going to be destroyed. And no one took him seriously. And that model just doesn't work. One man cannot face the world. But if the world is not so unified and the world has different flavors then one man can face a smaller group 
One man can turn to one people. Well, we could look in the story of uh, of the the, the Melech Kuzarim and the Kuzari book of one nation coming to God, accepting God. There are different morals that are out there, and then there can be good nations, and there can be bad nations. There are there are ways to influence the world, at least in some places. The world is not a unified world that has to be broken down as one huge nut. The world is made up of different nuts, and we can break one nut at a time. We don't have to break all the nuts. We don't have to break the big nut. And that's the world that Avraham Avinu is now going into. Avraham Avinu is going into is working in a world where the potential for disaster, for destruction of the whole world is essentially neutralized. What are the chances that every different community in the world is going to be evil all at once? Unlikely. We see the world today. There are places where there's there are evil nations. There are places where there are good things going on. There's charity going on, or there's human rights going on. And even if human rights sometimes is a word that is stretched in bad ways, in general, what human rights is meant to be and how it takes place in many places in the world is a positive thing. And then there are places in the world that are bad. But the fact that there are places in the world that are bad doesn't mean the whole world is bad or the world even has potential to be bad in its entirety. That's the world that Avraham Avinu is working in. It's a world where the potential for destruction no longer exists, or is extremely, extremely unlikely at least. On the one hand, on the other hand, it's easier to approach the world. When we approach the world, we are not approaching the entire mankind and trying to change the entire mankind, but we're changing the world little by little, rung by rung. And this is a little bit of a more optimistic worldview that we don't have to, you know, the Mishnah and Pirkei Avod, Lo Alecham Lachaligmor. You don't have to fix everything at once. You don't have to finish everything. You fix where you can. And where where you have fixed, you have fixed. Or you've made a positive impact, you have made a positive impact. The fact that there's evil somewhere else in the world doesn't mean that you haven't impacted this part of the world and these people in a positive way. Just one thought that entered my mind, that perhaps uh, one might lift up uh, globalization as a, as a negative thing in light of what I'm saying. And the answer, in my opinion, to that is that we're still very far away from globalization. At this point, globalization does not seem to imply that uh, nations are losing their cultural uniqueness and everybody's becoming one. I don't exactly see that happening. Food for thought for the future. Food for thought, maybe my my analysis is wrong. In any case, the world that Avraham Avina works in, the world that we live in, is a world that has potential for evil, but it doesn't seem to have potential for cross-the-world evil. And it is a world that has potential to be fixed. Because it's hard to fix everything all at once, but in a world where there is no everything and there isn't all at once, because 
There's different parts of the world. There's different nations in the world. That's a world which can be faced with, that can be fixed. And there are good countries in the world. There are good nations in the world. I think we can talk about the influence of the Torah, the influence on morality that is the basis for those good, just nations that are out there today, the good, just values that are out there today, really do stem from the Torah. And and this is part of Avram Avinu's success in the world. He hasn't fixed the whole world, and the world is not perfect. But he has, he and his children, have made positive steps in improving the world, a world that is now does not have the potential for disaster and also does not have and also has the potential to be fixed as well. And on that note, we'll turn the microphone over to Rebek. Shabbat Shalom. Today's Pasha this week's Pasha Pasha Lechlecha. And uh mention one or two halachot, mitzvot, which are connected to this week's Pasha. The first one is a uh learn from the story of Avraham and Malki Tzedek. After Avraham uh, came back from conquering, from beating in battle the four kings and he restored to Sodom and the other cities their people as well as their property. So it says, Malki Tzedek, Melech Shalem, Hotzi Lechem, Vayayin, Vahu Chohen, El Elyon. There's this figure called Malki Tzedek, who Chazal say is Shem Ben Noach, and he, although he'd not been involved in the war, he greeted Abraham Avinu, and um, he brought him lechem bayayin, brought him bread and wine, and he, Malki Tzedek, was a Kohen Lekel Elyon, Kohen of God. And then he said, Vayabachehu, Vayomer Baruch Avraham Lael Elyon Konei Shomayim Baaretz. He blessed Abraham and said, Avraham should be blessed in the name of God, to God, who has made the heavens and the earth. Ubaruch ker elion asher migen tzarecha biyadecha, vayiten lo maser mikol. And blessed is the name of God, ker elion, supreme God, who has subdued your enemies in your hands. And the Gemara in the Darim Daflamid Bet criticizes Malki Tzedek for what he just did. Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu lo'otzi kuna mishem shenamav hu kohen lakel elion The original plan of God was that Shem Benoch, who's not Jewish and not a member of the Jewish people, that the kuhuna, the priesthood, should come from him. As it says, hu kohen lakel elion He was a priest. One says that he could have been or should have been the father of the priest the way Aaron was the priest. Because he said two brachot here. One he said Baruch Avram Kel Elion Avram is blessed to God and second he said blessed is God but the order, the order, he blessed Abraham before he blessed God. Amar lo, God said to Makitzedek, Does one precede the bracha 
of the servant of the Bacha, of the master. For that reason, the Kuna was taken from Shem and given to Avraham, to the children of Avraham, meaning to the Kohanim, to Aaron and his descendants. Shenemar, Pasukin Tilim, Neum Hashem Ladoni, Shevri Mini, Adashit Oivecha, Hadom Raglecha, Uvatrechtiv, Nishba Hashem, Veloyin Achem, Atakohen, Olam, Aldibarti, Aldivrati, Malkitzedek. Strange Pasukin Tilim that God said to, to the author, to me, You are a Kohen forever, Aldibrati, Malkitzedek. Because of the speech of Malki Tzedek. Because he said, Baruch Avram, and only afterwards, Baruch Kelelion. The, the background to this Midrash is very interesting, and it's not really our uh, purpose in this short uh, little podcast that we have describe it, but it describes a plan of God whereby Abraham would be the father of the Jews, and there would be a professional priesthood, as we know there are Kohanim, and they wouldn't necessarily be members of the Jewish people. The priesthood would come from Shem, and Amatorah, the people of God, would come from Abraham. You know, it describes a total divorce between the people of God and the Kohanim of God. And whereas the secondary plan is that the Kohanim themselves are separated from within Amisal. The original plan has some sort of a, a partnership between the Jews who exist. Not that the God's plan shouldn't be Jews. Avraham would be the Jews, but the Kohanim would be a different family, a different group of people. It's a very interesting idea as to what was the Havamina? Why would this be done? But in any event, our point is to... Well, I could discuss that. Our point is that Malkitzedek was punished. He lost. He lost the priesthood for saying, Blessed be you, Abraham, or you are blessed, and also blessed is God. He should have said the other way around. Blessed is God, and blessed is you. From this we learn, I think, a lesson that it, the proper way to speak is to first bless God and afterwards bless human beings. There's a, there's a parallel Gemara in Sanhedrin of Tzadivav concerning Nebuchadnezzar who was at, oh, in his early career before he became king he was a, um, a scribe of the king of Ashur and the king of Ashur sent a letter to Chizkiyahu Melech Yudah when he heard that a miracle had taken place in honor of Chizkiyahu the sun had stood still and the day had been lengthened and Arif Chizkiyahu had recovered from his illness and he sent a letter he was very impressed with this he sent a letter to Chizkiyahu and the original version of the letter was Shlama lemalka Chizkiyahu Shalom lekalta di Yushalayim Shalom lealaka Rabba Shalom just a greeting Shalom melech Chizkiyahu Shalom ir Yushalayim Shalom lelokim agadol and the Bukhanetza when he heard about it he had not written the letter. He was on vacation that day. He came back, he heard about the letter. He quickly ran after the, after the messenger to bring him back in order to change the order. He says, if you, you're saying shalom to the great God, he has to be first. He changed the order and he wrote, shalom le'alakar rabba, shalom le'kautu du shalom, shalom le'malka chizkiah. 
First, Shalom to God. Second, Shalom to Yerushalayim, the city of God. And third, Shalom to Chizkiyahu Melech. And incredibly enough, the Gemara says, because of those four steps that he had taken to bring the Shliach back, and it was to honor God properly, he was paid by God with a, half me to say this, a great honor, he was Zohar to destroy the Beit HaMikdash. And in fact, if he had taken more steps, it would have been a greater destruction, a permanent destruction of God's house and the Jewish people. That's how great the mitzvah of showing proper respect to God is. The point is, what is proper respect? You should first, here it's not Baruch, here it's Shalom. We call it greeting, a bracha. In, in Hebrew, it isn't only a, a holy bracha, you know, a bracha before you eat. It's uh, showing one's respect. So first to God, afterwards to, to, uh, to people. The truth is, I don't think people are marked on this. I mean, I, I know it, it, it always annoys me a little bit that you, you sometimes you go to a simcha, someone gets up to speak, and quite properly thanks God, but very often you hear someone says, I want to first thank my parents, I want to thank my wife, and I want to thank God. That's exactly what Malkit Tzedek did, and the Gemara is very critical of him. Setach Sidim, for instance, says it exactly what I just described. Person receives the news that he's not at home for some reason, he's traveling. He hears the news that his wife gave birth to a child. He shouldn't thank the messenger. Someone comes gives you good news, you say, Oh, thank you. The Sefer Sidim says, First you say, Thank God, and then you say, Also, I want to thank you for telling me. And he quotes an example from David Melech, David before he was a Melech, Avigaya, who was married at the time to Naval Yisraeli, came and warned David that Naval was planning to injure him. And David then got up and said, David Avigayel, notice, David is speaking to Avigayel, and he said to Avigayel, but what did he say to her? He said, thank, Baruch Hashem, thank God, or blessed is God, or praised be God, who sent you to me, and, Baruch And you should be blessed for uh, keeping me this day from spilling the blood of these, of those people. So you have a classic example. He's, someone comes and speaks to David and while speaking to her he says, Baruch Hashem u'bruchat. So I think this is a uh, it's a halacha or not a halacha. It's, it's proper conduct but notice the way Chaznadu Chazal only prays it. But look what happened to Malkit Tzedek who was Tzadik v'shalem Shem ben the displeasure, the disfavor that he was 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 shown by God for thanking God, but thanking God in the wrong in the wrong order. 
Um, one other halacha learned from today's Pasha that's worth mentioning. A different one. Is uh, found somewhat later in the Pasha. Remember that Avraham, Avraham gave uh, or, or uh, Sarah, who's then still Sarai, gave Avraham her servant, her maid Hagar, and it didn't work out well. Sarai suffered from the attitude of Hagar afterwards. But Tomer Sarai el Avraham Chamasi Alecha. Okay, after Hagar became pregnant, she acted disrespectfully to Sarai. And Sarai is very upset and she complains to Abraham and then she says, Let God judge between me and you. Okay, it's a natural reaction. Well, I'm sure we find this in other places. Someone has a has a beef. Somebody has a complaint against somebody, and maybe sees that the other person isn't taking it seriously. He says, "Well, let God judge between me and you." The Gemara in Baba Kama Tafzadi Gimel says, "Hamoser din al chaverol leshemayim." The phrase used by the Gemara to describe what Savai did, saying, "Let God judge between me and you," is called "Hamoser din al chaverol leshemayim." He he places. Judgment on his fellow, he gives it over to heaven. In other words, he, you, you hand over the judgment of your fellow uh, person to heaven. What Sarai said, "Yishpot Hashem b'niyu b'necha." Moser din achaviro l'shemayim. Who ne'enash tchiva? Apparently, he's right. He 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 has a complaint against his fellow. His fellow has sinned against him, and he asks heaven. He asks God to punish. This person who has sinned, he will be punished first. You will receive. You will be punished for the sin of your of your, of your fellow. Shenemar, and he quotes our case. But Thomas Sarai, Yishpot Hashem b'niu b'necha uchtiv, and then it says, "Vayavor Abraham dispel the Sarah v'liv kota." What was the punishment that Sarai died? Died young. She didn't die young, but she died way before Abraham. Right, Sarai was ten years younger than Abraham. So I died at 127. I was on, it was 137 at the time, and he died at 185. And I think the understanding is that Avam and Sarai was such a couple that they should have died at the same time. The uh, newest place is the Midrash first Avam Yitzchak, Avam and Sarai as being, you know, a team. They're being two sides of the same coin, and therefore the Midrash is surprised. Chazal was surprised that Sarai died. Before, before Avraham. And the, the Midrash says that it's a punishment for having said the words, Ishpot Hashem b'niu v'necha. The Midrash Rabbah here says this somewhat differently. Call me shehirtik achau midat adin. Anyone who Attaches himself. Anyone who who calls up midat adin, lo yatsah shafui, lo yatsah shafui mitachet He will not come out untouched, unscathed from midat adin. This is the way the way the the way the medrash calls it. The way the gemara calls it, it sounds like it's just a bad thing. You shouldn't. It's asa. You shouldn't 
ask God to punish your fellow. The way the Midrash says it, it it's, you shouldn't mention Midat Adin. In other words, there's Midat Racharim in the world. Once you ask Midat Adin to operate, then Midat Adin becomes more permanent and you also have Din. So it's not good for you that Midat Adin should, should exist or should be in operation. And therefore, although you're calling up to punish somebody else, but you have to be an amazing tzaddik not to fear the presence of Midat Adin in the world. Lo shafui mitachat you'll, you'll, you'll also be in other words, if, if, if you set a fire, you'll also be burnt. Sarai should have lived the same number of years as Abraham. She lost out 48, 48 years. Three things, it's like we just explained the Madrash. Three things remind, three things bring up the sins of man. You have sins, but God is not counting them. He's being merciful. He's ignoring them. But three things will make your sins become mentioned. They will put them into God's memory, so to speak. They'll put them on the table. And the third one, because the logic is that if you become picky, if you become your mafpid on other people's sins, well, then your sins become committed to. In other words, one should always be merciful. One should operate himself in Midat HaRachamim and not pay attention to other people's sins because if you do, and especially if you ask God to pay attention to those sins, then your ipso, your sins will be paid attention to as well. Okay, that's a, a Musa. And again, the, the way Chazal learned these Musavim, that's just good advice. They say, if you don't do it, you're really in big trouble. Like Yitzhak received a, uh, not a personal punishment, but nonetheless, a quite extreme reaction and here it says that Sarai actually died Sarai Menu died young not immediately but died younger than she should have because of what's called here that's it for today Shabbat Shalom Umevorach